0: kind of a privilege and as always it's wonderful to see all of you if in the ministry over 30 years and so we've been hanging out full-time now for a little over 44 years we've been married a while so we're doing that pretty much full-time and uh we hang out together. It's interesting. Some of you, I talk in, uh, to a lot of couples and do a lot of marriage counseling. It's just part of my job. And and uh, I'll talk to couples that have been together, and they've kind of been in each other's presence a lot, and they're getting on each other's nerves. And Actually, I think Liz and I have worked side by side almost every day of our life for about 25 years. Every day we go to work together, you know what I'm saying? And it, it's, it was... Uh, and has been uh, the joy of my life. I uh, wanted to share something with you today. Um, I know that you're in a series about the transformation of the mind, having a new mind, and there's not a better scripture in the Bible that talks about the mind than in Romans. If you'll turn over there with me, they're going to put it up on the uh, screen there for you. You know, so many of us, we've gone through so much. I mean, realistically, being in ministry for quite a while, a a large part of my ministry at our church is I'm the family pastor. I do a lot of the counseling. I do um, a lot of the compassion ministries. And if you just kind of pay attention, you learn some stuff, right? Right. Gosh, you just hang out long enough, you're going to learn some stuff. And so I'm coming from a point of view of of things that I've learned, things that I've seen. I want you to know this scripture is not just for you. It's for all of us. The scripture here in Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing, You may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know, there's been a lot of stuff going on over the last four years. I don't have to tell you because all of you have been affected in some way or another. Man, we have been through some of the most traumatic times in history when it comes to just the government of our country. We have seen upheavals. We've seen things that many of you have never seen before. I, unfortunately, came from the 60s, and I remember a time when there were several things going on that was troubling. But many of you, we're experiencing new things, and the last four years have been difficult. You know, Paul is speaking here, and Paul is talking about a time... That wasn't easy for him either. Paul is speaking about the to the Romans. And this is right after the death of Jesus. And Paul has been sent here as a mission and as a mission to share Christ with these people who were in so much opposition. You realize that the Romans didn't have one God. They had many gods. And a lot of oppositions come from people who don't know God at all. He also dealt with people who were were from the Jewish side, and so he had this really interesting job to convince people to get along. Man, it almost sounds like a pastor. it's, It's difficult. You know, sometimes leading sheep is like herding cats, and he You ever had a bunch of little kittens running around trying to get them put up? Oh, my gosh. And there's something you learn about sheep. They bite. They bite. Sheep bite. And you got to be like Jackie Chan up here, you know, with your little staff. I mean, it's difficult. But he had a real difficult problem. And being honest, ministry has been tough the last four years. And it thrills my heart to see new people. You know, I I love the fact that God has placed us here in this time, in this season. Yes, in, in fact, we've seen some hard things. We've seen some difficult times. Our children are struggling. They've lost two years of school. They've experienced stress that they are not used to. Their families have experienced stress they're not used to. I don't know how many of you eat. I'm pretty much assuming all of you. But you've been to the grocery store, spent a few bucks. a matter of fact, you probably spent all your bucks at the grocery store and realized that everything is going up. And Where I live in Kansas City, the uh, folks just received their new tax assessment. And guess what? When the value of your house goes up, we weren't planning on this, especially if you're retired and lived on a fixed income. Many of their house insurances have gone up six, seven, eight hundred dollars. And they are saying, Where am I going to get this money? There's a lot of surprises going on, isn't there? And I can tell you that the transformation of the mind is just as important today as it was in the days that Paul quoted this to us and gave it to us to be recorded so that you and I, we go through our times of struggle, we can understand what it's like to live in a hard time and what to do and how to deal with it. Paul says we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, something a lot of us don't realize is is that in their language, At that time, in the Hebrew language especially, but in a lot of foreign languages, the mind and the heart are synonymous. Here in America, we have a weird language. Do you know that? Any of you who know foreign languages understand that we are super complicated. We have words for everything. The mind and heart in English is two different things. But when you read about the mind or the heart in Scripture, they're talking about the same thing. Think about this. At man thinketh in his, so is he. How many of you know that most of the things that you and I stir up in our heart will travel through our mind? You know, and it's just a fact, Many times before you sin, you settle it in your mind before it ever gets through your heart. Your heart's telling you no, but your mind's saying, it's okay. You know, I think about um, the difficulty that humanity, we struggle with our minds. And to be honest with you, one of the greatest struggles we're having in America today is in the mind. I have uh, an interesting job. Through this transition, I've been able to get involved in some new ministry. So, my wife says it's one of the things I've done that I... I, Right now, I am... I work as a chaplain in many, several different large businesses. I call on approximately 850 people a week. I'll go into a a business, I'll go into a factory, and my goal is within a seven-hour period of time to walk through that factory and talk to all 360 of them in one day. That's my job. How many of you know by the time I get home, I don't have much to say, honey. I'm pretty much talked out. And what's really awesome is, is that you know and I know, I there's no way I can make it. Now when I first got there and got to know them, getting to know people, how many of you know, memorizing for a guy my age, 360 names in one factory is a job. You have trouble remembering people you meet and there's only a few hundred of them. Think about, I'll go to one place, there's 360 people, and then I'll go to another factory, there's 320 people. Do you know the most important thing you can do to to form a relationship with another person is to remember their name? Now you know what my job is like. Not only do I need to remember their names, I try to remember their wife's names and their children's names. So can I just tell you something? You have to be intentional. It has to be something that's in your heart. If it isn't in my heart, it's never going to make it to my mind. Does that make sense? I can't do it unless my heart is in it. And so if you are living in these days and you're, you're going through everything that everybody else is going through, I have good news for you. The Lord will help you to accomplish it if you have the right heart. So as we talk about the mind, don't forget that the heart is all about it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth speak. You ever feel like cussing? Listen, in my heart, I know cussing is wrong. But sometimes I remember the words. I do. I've been a minister for 30 years. Sometimes those words come right on, but you know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm no different than you. It's easy because we're all human. We've endured these things, and our resilience has kind of wore out. You know, as we go through life, and you grow and go through things, We build up resilience. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You kind of, you toughen up a little bit. It's my job to toughen up my grandkids. I kind of look at it as my job, right? I know if we could, we would bubble wrap them, right? But they can't be bubble wrapped all the time. They got to have some reality to some portions of their life, and I know they get all the reality they need, but I just kind of feel like it's my job. We're building up with resilience. And as we go through things in lives and some of the things that you're going through right now, you're not really enjoying. You're toughening up. Do you know what I found is, this is just me speaking from my experience of life as a minister, the things that you go through in life is not just to toughen you up, It's so that you can help others in their time of trouble. You see, as we think, we're in America and we think about ourselves a lot. But believe it or not, the things that you're going through is not just for you. It's for your family and your children and your grandchildren. It's for the people you work with when you go into your workplace. You know what I found is is that people are not opposed to Jesus at all. As a matter of fact, we get this thing in our head that everybody's, you know, if you mention the name of Jesus in the workplace, people are gonna freak out. There's no greater lie that ever existed. I go to workplaces and I talk about Jesus all the time. And you know how many people I've offended? One. But I did not offend them, they just simply said, and you know why it went this way? is because I spent time building a relationship with this person before I ever dumped the Jesus thing on him, And I had a relationship with him. and she said, you know what? Al, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I had a really bad experience with some people in a church one time, and I just have really cut off my ears to people talking about Jesus. And I said, Well, you have the same problem that I did when I first went to church. I loved Jesus. It was people I didn't like. I, I, didn't, I told the pastor, I said, I love Jesus with all my heart. I hate people. My pastor looked at me and says, Al, you got a problem. I said, I know. What do you think I'm at the altar for? I'm talking to <laughs> you. Help a brother out. I'm just saying, I got a problem. And some of you have the same problem. Do you know something? A large part of the world has the same problem. They just haven't seen the real Jesus. They haven't seen Jesus in a way that they understand without being condemned and felt like they're worthless human beings. You know something, when you instill value in something and it tugs at your heart, the first thing you do is place value on it. And when you have value on it, some people say, well, you just got to love me the way I am. No, I don't. I would kick you to the curb. If I want to, I didn't got no investment. If I just met you, why do I got to put up with you? The truth is, is that any time we talk to someone, we actually need to invite ourselves and have them invite us into their lives we can ask questions and they can say no but many times whenever they're talking about a problem with their marriage or with their life I will simply ask them do you have a relationship or a faith journey that you have with Jesus they're not offended by that and they'll simply say yes or no I said would you mind if I share something with you They look you right in the face and say, no, please do. You see, they're asking you for help. And I want you to know something, that this transformation of the mind and the heart is majorly important. We've all been threatened. We've all experienced hardship. We've all had trouble in the last four years. And I'm telling you with all my heart, there is a world who is desperate to hear what you have to say. They are hungry. They, I went to a, a, one, one place in particular two weeks ago. I used to walk down, I'd talk to 20 or 30 people, and then I'd have a conversation. Now I walk down the office stairs, I've got people flagging me down, Al, come over here, I need to talk to you. About three weeks ago, I just walked down the stairs and I walked by and the training supervisor came to me. He said, Al, I, I need to visit with you if you got a chance. So I go back to his office. He looks me in the face and he says, Al, I have made some huge mistakes. He said, My grandfather died, the, the man who raised me. And when I found that he died, it just crushed me. And I got stinking crazy drunk. My little boy saw that, and I feel like such a failure. And I said, you know what, I believe that as hard as that is for you to admit, there's reasons for the way you reacted. And I began to ask him about his grandfather. And the one thing that I know because of what I've gone through, I said, when did you lose it? He said, well, I'm not really sure. He talked about going through the funeral. And I said, let me guess. Now, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. When you walked up to the base of that casket and saw your grandfather for the last time, what went through your mind? And the tears started to flow down his face. And I said, let me guess. You wanted to know where he was. What happened from here? And he started to cry harder. he looked at me and said how did you know you see there's one thing we can be really tough about but there is a time and a season in all of our lives to where whether we want to admit it or not we desperately need a savior and I want you to know something we're all headed for that moment every one of us So how many of you know, in about 30 minutes more of conversation, I was praying with that young man to give his life to Jesus so his family wouldn't have to ever wonder where he was if something happened to him. I walked out of his office, walked about 30 feet, and there was another young man flagging me down. His name, well, I can't tell you his name but he is a Hispanic young man, a great friend. I walked over to him. He said, Al, I am so glad you're here. He said, I have not slept for two nights. He said, my heart is ripping. I have anxiety. My heart is pounding out of my chest. And he said, what is tearing me apart? Al, I'm not the man I ought to be. My son goes to youth group and is more of a man than I am. And I've watched my son and he's grown and I wonder how long will it be before he realizes that I'm not the man I ought to be. And I just looked him in the face and I said, I've got a feeling that your son is praying for you. And the greatest thing that you can do for your son is to turn your heart and humbly kneel before the feet of the cross he prayed and gave his life to Jesus I'm normally there for six and a half hours I've already taken up three hours of my time I have a lot of people to talk to guess what I didn't make it I didn't make it, but guess what? I was where the Lord wanted me to be at the time he needed me to be, and he is putting you in the place he needs you to be at the right time, talking to the right people, if only it gets from your head to your heart. If it never makes that transition, you'll never understand. You'll never have the courage. You'll never have the mindset that God placed you there to touch people's lives. And that's why I want to encourage you this morning is there are people all around you every day, every place you go, just waiting for you to notice them and to ask them the question, how are you today? You know what? It doesn't take a long time. I hadn't even been in some of these places for a day or two, a time or two, and the very next time, I'm coming back, and they're wanting me to set up a counseling appointment with them. Their families are struggling. Their kids are struggling. So in these new areas of ministry... The the thing that I'm realizing is such an amazing problem that is another area we need to talk about this morning. The transformation of the mind realizes one thing. We're all looking for a king. There is a God-shaped hole in every man's heart. You ever heard that? There's a place where God dwells. Even with Adam and Eve, can you imagine Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, God saying, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to take care of you. You're just going to take care of this. I'm going to come and we're going to walk in the midst of the garden every day. I'm going to love you. You're going to love me. I got one thing I'm going to ask you not to do. As a matter of fact, brace yourself. I'm telling you not to do it. What? You're telling me? I can't do something? You mean that nasty word obey? I got to obey. I'm sure they looked at each other, go, I done said he's gonna take care of everything else. We could surely do this. I'm sure Eve looked at Adam and went, ah, oh, no problem. We can do this. Don't worry about it, God. We got this. Until one day they were distracted. Anybody ever get distracted? Ooh. Now, getting distracted is going to cause you some problems. How many of you realize that there is an awful lot of distractions in our world today? My goodness, I get on my grandkids for being on their phone. Next thing I know, I'm sitting in the bathroom with my phone. I'm going, what am I doing? You knucklehead. What what do you need this in here for? You ever realized that as we're going through life anymore, we're always afraid we're going to miss something? We're a nervous wreck. We're all sitting around wondering about what kind of information we don't know and what we ought to know and who said this and who said that. It's like, good grief, it's no wonder our minds are in turmoil all the time. I got good news for you, though. All over America, not just in the workplace, God's busy at work. There is a renewal happening. Did you guys know that? There's a renewal happening in the universities all over the United States. There's some amazing things happening. And believe it or not, Brandon is correct when he says that God wants to do something new right here this morning. Is it possible? I know it's a stretch, but you got up and came to church why not just take a long shot and think? Is it possible that this old guy from Kansas City, if you get bored of thinking about something cool, though, just think about the Chiefs. If you get bored, <laughs> if is it possible that the Lord might have sent someone here to touch your heart and let it finally make it to your mind? Is that possible? I want you to know it's very possible if you'll allow it. That's the business God's in. He's doing all kinds of stuff all over the world. You know, our world is looking for a leader. How many of you are excited about the elections coming up? Anybody? You know, most people talking about elections and politics... We don't do that from the pulpit much, and I'm not going to do it today. But I want you to know something. Godly leaders are very, very important, but they can never take the place in our hearts of our real leader, who is Jesus. You see... As much as we want, and as much as we want to argue about it, as much as we have an opinion, I wonder if we had the same opinion and argued as much and put as much thought into all the things that we put into these elections, if we would just concentrate on Jesus, wonder what would happen. Holy smokes, we might see people, we could fill churches all over the place. Because they're look, what are they looking for? They're looking for a king. They're looking for a king. A king to fill the hole in their heart. And we all have different opinions. If, you, if you're older and you're getting older, approaching retirement age, you want somebody who's going to shore up Social Security. When All of you ought to be worried about that, but maybe not. But the truth is, we all got different agendas. We all have different things we want in a king. Some people need health care. Some people need help. We all are looking for a king. And so are they. But how many of you understand that when it comes right down to it, you see, Don Ann doesn't need a president. She doesn't need a king. She needs the king of kings whenever we're faced with the really important things in life, we don't need an earthly king. We need God as king. So this morning, as we think about all these people and all the things that we're looking for in a king, I want to ask you this question. What kind of king do you want? What would tickle your fancy? What, what, what kind of a king would you ask for? And what qualities would you look for? Because sometimes, somehow, we convince ourselves it may be when you pick up your phone, as often as you know you need to lay that thing down, our minds automatically go to, what can this king do for me? Right? Right? What can a king do for me? I don't know if you understand this or have even thought about this, but I know that there is a king of kings who is headed back here pretty soon. First of all, he's going to catch the church up in the air. He's coming back for his church. He's not going to put his feet on earth That comes a little later. And when Jesus comes back and puts his feet on earth, guess what's going to happen? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he was king. It's coming. It's going to happen. You know, it's really funny to me all the things that We see on social media, we see on television, all the movies. It's just so comical. How many of you um, love the movie Wakanda? About Wakanda, right? Black Panther. So listen, how many of us don't want Wakanda forever? We all want Wakanda. We all want the Black Panther, right? Right? How about this one? I just can't wait to be king. Nobody say do this. Nobody say do that. Free to do it all my way. Right? How about acuna Matata? What a wonderful phrase. Right? Akuna Matata. Ain't no passing phrase. Means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy. Akuna Matata. Kind of stirs your heart, doesn't it? <laughs> I love that song, don't you? I'm just saying, I can just think about... No, forget it. I'm not going to tell you. Sometimes my mind does weird things all at once. So... Think about this. If we can't get to Wakanda, if we just can't make it to Wakanda, we're going to fire up some video games and we're going to blast some folks. We're going to do some Call of Duty. We're going to do all kinds of these wonderful things that help us feel like we're king of kings. We're the ones who can't be defeated. It all sounds good, right? You know, the sad thing is, is that we have a lot of the kids who are clicked into this, these games, Fortnite, people are tied up in anime. How about the zombies? Zombies. Everybody's all about the zombies. The zombie apocalypse. Do you know what? We're all convinced of all these different things and we spend so much time thinking about all this stuff. Do you know that there is a real world that's around us all the time? And most of the time, there are generations of people who are totally unaware that it even exists. It's called the outside. Outdoors. Out- oh, you thought I was going to be spiritual, didn't you? You thought I was. See? See, I'm human just like you. It's outside. All these pasty kids walking around, get outside. Get some sun. It makes you feel better. Right? Do something. Put that game down. It's- Outdoors is where it's at. Right, Daniel? I'll tell him the truth. Yes, you are correct. There is a spiritual world that's around us all the time. But here's the sad thing that we don't understand. When we're working with generations of people who are not even aware of the amazing thing God's have done even outside how can they understand the world that's around them that they can't see? Think about that. There are a lot of us who are escaping to worlds that don't even exist. We are filling our minds with things that aren't real. I don't know about you. Anybody bought any property in the metaverse? But, right, I mean, this is, this is a real thing. A real thing. I don't know. I, I, I'm just not even going to talk about that. <laughs> but it's, it's really complicated, and it's mind-blowing, and it's confusing. But you see, people have come to the end of themselves. Isn't that where we find Jesus, honestly? See, that's what's happened in these four years That's happened. Many people, the reason why people's hearts are so hungry for God is that they have come to the end of themselves. And that's what happened when Jesus was here on earth. What was the thing that he did just before he went to the cross? He looked out over the people and said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And the Bible says that he had compassion on them. You know where compassion comes from? The heart. But you know what happens if you only have compassion in your heart? If it doesn't make it to your mind, you won't do a daggone thing about it. I had a real serious moment here a few years back. I was asked to help with... A ministry called senior commodities senior commodities is where the government gives a box of groceries and a block of cheese and we had about 30 uh, people over the age of 60 are able to get this but there comes a time each year where you have to uh, check their income and see if they qualify and so this happened to be the day that I started working with this ministry. So it was my job to ask people to verify their income. It doesn't mean that I needed them to show any proof of income. It was just a voice verification. It wasn't a big deal. But as I began to watch people, their monthly income, do you realize there's a lot of people, precious people, who live on... Six or seven hundred dollars a month? To qualify at all, they had to make under twelve hundred dollars a month. It 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 shook me. How is this possible? In a world that has as much as we do and gives away so much and has so much extra how can we treat our senior citizens like this? It is evil and sinful. And I told the people, this was the day I was taken over. If I, don't, if I can't accomplish anything, I'm going to change this. And so we decided that our job was to collect enough food each month to provide those seniors with enough food that they didn't have to buy very minimal amount of groceries every month. So when they come now, they get three grocery bags full of food, their box of food, they get milk and eggs, they get bread, they get everything that they need to get them through a month. And guess what happened? When you start treating people like that, We started out with 30 people. Now we've got about 140. And you go, well, how does that happen? You know what? If I'd have thought about how it was going to happen to feed 140 people when I started, I would have never started because in my mind it's impossible. But in my heart, I knew I could do it. You see what I'm saying? A lot of things we don't do is because in our hearts we feel it. But in our minds, our minds, the enemy tells us it's impossible. You're talking about a new car. I know you've had some new cars. But guess what? It's different when it happens to you. Just about two months ago, I was wanting to get a different car, so I wasn't putting all the miles on my car, my, my newer car, because, I, you know, putting a lot of miles on a newer car isn't a great thing, and I was doing a lot of driving. So I was looking at buying a car get some decent gas mileage. So I talked to one of the guys at church. I knew he just bought his son a car. And I said, what are you doing with that Explorer? He said, well, we're going to sell it. He told me what he wanted for it. I said, well, I'd like to look at it. He brought it by. I looked at it. I said, well, I'm going to talk to Liz, and I'll give you a call in just a minute. I'll ask her and see what, what she wants to do. By the time I got back to my car, they called Liz and told her that they were going to give us the car to do the ministry. Don't tell me it's impossible. God's a big God. He can do all kinds of crazy stuff. If he wants to, don't put a limit on God and be afraid if you're saying, well, this guy is such a crazy dude. He's never going to want to hear about Jesus. He won't ever hear about him just simply because it never went from your heart to your mind. It's a big transition, but it can change a lot of things. Did you know that one of the greatest things that Israel tried was to put kings in charge? We just did a great study at our church, and I preached about Solomon, but do you know that we all got different kinds of things we look for in a king, right? Can we just admit that? How many of you want a handsome, stately king? I kind of do. I like a handsome, stately king. When he walks into a room, he kind of commands attention. So that's what they got in King Saul. Saul was a tall, handsome, stately king. He started out real well. Then he got distracted. Started doing his do-it-my-way thing. He must have watched The Lion King. (laughs) Next thing you know, it's grieving God's heart. He even put the dude in charge. He said, I think I'll go out here and look for, guess what? There's a little shepherd boy out there doing his, taking care of his dead sheep. So he picks up a dude named David, and everything looks good. Humble little guy, but boy, can that dude fight. Woo, Daniel. He, don't, he doesn't need no 50 caliber rifle. He's got a slingshot, man. He's got a sling and some stones. That's all he needs, put down a giant. This dude is crazy tough, and he is the warrior. How many of you want a great warrior for a king? Wouldn't that be nice? A great warrior is a king with a soft heart? Guess what? He got distracted in the wrong place at the wrong time. Boys being in the wrong place at the wrong time will get you in trouble every time. He got distracted. Next thing you know, he's becoming prideful. This very humble young boy has grown into a prideful man. He numbers the armies of Israel, and guess what? Thousands of people died because of his pride. So, but God loved him. God loved him in spite of his little self. God loved you just like you. Don't be looking down on David. He ain't no different than us. So we thought, well, we'll get us a really smart king. So Solomon comes along. He had to fight to become king. But when he became king, the first thing he did, he has a dream. And what's he asked God for? Wisdom. Ooh, we might be on to something now. How many of you know a smart king is good? And because he was asking for smarts, God said, you know what? Because you asked for something to run your kingdom and all, I'm going to bless you. Oh, how about having a king that God's blessing? Wouldn't that be good? That would be real good. How about a king that was rich? Would that be good? Would that be good? Sounds good. But guess what? <laughs> this dude is the epitome of it distracted. How many of you... See, here's where I have a problem with Solomon. Anybody who has 700 wives, I can't see how you're going to call him smart. <laughs> what is... How could he not be distracted? And if that wasn't enough, he got him some concubines, like 300 of them. It's like, dude, you ain't doing nothing. You... And so Solomon did have some smarts. Guess what? He wrote several books in the Bible. He wrote a really awesome book. He wrote Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is not, thus saith the Lord, but it is wise sayings. It'll keep you out of trouble. He wrote a really spicy book. If you're not married, don't read that one. It's called Song of Solomon. Just unless you're like, no, just don't read it unless, you got, unless you're married. And then he wrote this other book called Ecclesiastes. Now, a lot of people argue about, did he write the book? Well, let's just settle on the fact. If it wasn't him who wrote it, he, it was wrote about him, Okay. It was about him. So we'll just, we don't need to argue that dumb thing. So he's the one who wrote or was written about in the book of Ecclesiastes, and he writes all these things. And in the end, let's bring that up. What was the conclusion that Solomon came to in Ecclesiastes? It says, after, now I want you to know, Solomon has already been led away from God the true God he's followed all of the foreign gods of his foreign wives and at this point Solomon's in one of the lowest places in his life and he said this is the end of the matter all has been heard fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of God, or of man. Guess what he came up to the conclusion? In the end, the only thing that matters is loving God and loving people. Wow, that's a novel thought. Oh, that's a commandment. Really? Wasn't that a commandment? That was a long time ago. We could have skipped all this just went to the commandment and said, love God and love your neighbor yourself, did that and we wouldn't need to have gone through all this stuff. In the end of the matter, whether we realize it or not, we all have a hole in our heart that needs to be filled by God. God's the only true God is the one who can fill it. All the crazy Places we want to go to get away from it, it's not going to work. And guess what? Mariah Carey is not the queen of Christmas. We got a king of Christmas, his name is Jesus. We'll just leave it at that. God promised a lot of wonderful promises. When he told the nation of Israel he wanted to be our king. I'm going to skip all of that just to say this. Listen, God's deal is the best deal. God said to the nation of Israel, if you'll just let me be king, I'm going to bless you when you're coming in and you're going out. I'm going to bless you in your fields and your barns. I'm going to bless you in everything you do. That sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? Until Jesus came. And guess what the deal is we have now? We have the King of kings and Lord of lords who said, Listen, I know that obeying is what the standard was, but I realize you all have failed. So I'm going to make a way for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe him would not perish but have eternal life. And that is the conclusion of the matter this morning. If you would, bow your heads. I know that um, when I go into a business, I go into a corporation, there's people there from every walk of life. It's really no different here I don't know about you, but my resilience, my little bank account of resilience, has been ran pretty low. I've stored up resilience, but I'm kinda tired. How about you? Are you pretty tired from dealing with all the crazy things that have happened, and you just don't know if you can make it any further? needs one more crazy thing to happen I feel like I'm going to fly off the edge with every head bowed, nobody looking, I just want you to raise your hand say, Al I am struggling and I need some relief, thank you there's no shame in this, I'm telling you there is a large part of us who are right there in that boat okay, you can put your heads down now listen, those of you who didn't raise your hands, I want you to know something. If you're not there, you could be in the next couple of weeks. But while we're strong, could we pray for those who raised their hands? Isn't that what the body of Christ is for? For all of those who have raised their hands, I don't want you to say a word. Let us pray for you. Are you ready, church? In your words and in my word, we're just going to pray all together. You pray. God doesn't get confused. You pray in your way. I'm going to pray in mine. But right now, we're praying for all of those who are just about at the end of their rope. Father, I love you. God, I know that the struggle has been long and it's been hard. There's so many of our precious people who are hurting. There's no shame. There's no. There's no shame in saying that we need your help. So have us, Lord. Just bow our knee. We bow our knee before you, Lord. We say, I've done it all on my own. I've tried as hard as I can but I'm coming up short and I need some help. I'm not the king. I don't even know an earthly king who can help me. But I have faith. And I know that you can help my friends. And even when they're weak, I know that you are strong. So I ask you, Jesus that you would touch each and every situation, each and every heartache, each and every mind that is troubled, each and every circumstance that is weighing them down. I ask you, Father, that you would embrace them, allow them to know that your loving arms is around them, your presence is real, and you're right here with them. I ask you, Jesus, to move mountains, to move just to make ways where there doesn't seem to be any way, perform miracles in their physical body and in their mind. I ask you, Lord, that you just simply be the same God to them you've always been to me. God, who is very present in the time of trouble, I ask you this in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here this morning, and you'd say, I have tried it all my way. I've tried to be king. I've made commitments from my heart, but it's never reached my mind. I need to transition from the disconnect between my heart and my mind, and I need to be and to understand and to realize that you're king and I'm not. I need to understand what it's like to be a child of God. I need to accept you with my whole heart, with my whole mind. How many of you would raise your hand with every eye closed, every head bowed, You'd say, I've made commitments with my heart, but it's never reached my mind. But I need it to reach my mind this morning. Is that you? Just raise your hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Father, there are hands raised. And we don't have anywhere else to go but to you. We realize that. But Lord, help us to understand it in our minds. The Bible says, your word declares that to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can know what is good and what is the perfect will of God. Help us to not be transformed to the way of the world, but transform our way of thinking so that it is automatic for us to stop turning to ourselves and to earthly kings, but to put our faith and trust in you as they've raised their hands, I ask you, God, that you would transform their mind. If you raise your hand, pray with me. Let's just pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are my God. I put my faith and trust in you. You are God over my mind. And you can cleanse my mind. And you can help me to transform it, to think good thoughts, to put away harmful things. Help me, Jesus, to be healed. Father, I love you. Thank you for these who have raised their hands this morning. And as they, Lord, have made the commitment from their heart to their mind, I ask you, Lord, that you will make that stick in their minds for eternity and help them, Lord. Help us to be able to help them, we pray in Jesus' name. I want you to know something in our our training as chaplains. The one thing that we probably is one of the most important things that we're taught is that in the world you live today, one of the most valuable, understated gifts that you can give a person is your love and to share your faith. Love and faith is one of the greatest tools to battle mental health. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.